You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, On this episode of Hey Mitch, we are, or I have gathered here, Richard, Angela, and Chris, all from the Geek Elite Radio Network, to talk to, actually, we got to watch a screener of a new movie uh, called Beta Test. It's an early screening. Early, yes. It's, yeah. It looks like it's going to be coming out everywhere, or at least in selected theaters in July 22nd. Um, it's... Probably gonna be very selective. Very selective. <laughs> well, you know, I, they, I, the day I sent you the email for the screener, it, it, it sent a list of the cities that it was gonna be in, and uh, Phoenix, Arizona is gonna be one of the ones. So you can go watch it in the theater too if you want. Was Seattle one of them? Se- yes, yeah, Seattle was one of them. I would, I would hope so, since the, the movie takes place in Seattle and they use they filmed yeah, a lot there. Yeah, I would hope yeah. so too. So I'm surprised uh, our buddy Woody wasn't in the movie. <laughs> you know, I am as well. It <laughs> seems like the perfect type of production that he would be in. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's just get right into that. Uh, how did everybody feel about this movie? Richard? Well, I, I mean, anytime... Anytime I watch a movie, I, I have to give credit for, you know, people actually completing the movie because it's tough. I mean, that, that's definitely hard. I, I don't know what their budget for this movie was, but my best guess would be probably not a whole lot. Um, and the movies, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, but it, it definitely is not the best movie I've ever seen either. <laughs> I, will, I will say that it is a movie. And, uh, and that's what I will start with. I, I would have to say you're right. That's uh, you know, it's very much a. It's hard to get a movie made. Hard to write a movie. Eventually, ha- having to finish that movie and then also get it distributed. So this one made it through all those steps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's filmmaking. Uh, Angela, would uh, just a, a broad. How would you? How'd you feel about this movie? Broad. Um... I like how what Richard said that um, it's a, it's 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 really a proud moment to get a movie made, especially with a budget and being independent, not really um, getting uh, getting any sort of help from a bigger studio or anything. Um, but you know, it it I was really you know hoping for like you know the concept looked seemed like. A cool concept but the writing and the actors just weren't on point you know whether you know it was the act you know there's a lot lots of different things that can be wrong with um why a movie's not good you know it's not just because oh that person acted 
didn't act well. Well, maybe they weren't given the right direction or they, or they, maybe they, you know, something went on in the background and, um, and so, so yeah, I'm, I'll just leave it at that for right now. It's, it, it could have been so much better, but, um, sadly it wasn't, but it's, it's, it's a great accomplishment to, to create like a full feature film. Chris? It was not good. <laughs> just straight up was not good. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's definitely an opinion and, and, uh, it is. <laughs> And that's all we're gonna give give offer up today. Uh, I I myself I am I think I'm on the same road. It, it did not perform well. It was it was hard to watch and cringeworthy in some points, but they did try to do something. So they accomplished. It. They did mm-hmm. accomplish making a movie. I think after this point, well, well, let's talk just a little bit more about the actors that are in this. Now we have. Uh, Manu Bennett is one of the main stars of the movie. Uh, I think most famous for doing TV work is Spartacus. Most recently, Arrow. He was Deathstroke. Um, he was also, but he is in the Hobbit movies. He does the mocap for the, the white orc with the claw thing. Oh. Cool. I forget who, which one, which character that is. Richard, you didn't watch the Hobbit movies, right? Uh, no, I have not. But I did watch Spartacus, and yeah, he plays a uh, Crixus on there, and he was enjoyable watching in that series. I thought he did a really good job with the character in uh, in the show, and you know, I, I I enjoyed his performance in the in the movie for what it was, which you know, I mean, is somewhat limited based upon what they were trying to go for within the film, of course. But yeah, I mean, he's he's probably the most notable person in there, I would say. And uh, I would have to say, Lorenz Tate plays the other lead. Uh, he's the the gamer, I guess, or the, Max. Yeah, he's his name is Max in the movie. He's he's uh, supposed to be a beta tester for uh, these video games that are sent to him by Sentinel, and uh, the idea is that he is controlling Manu Bennett's character because of a device that's been developed because Sentinel not only develops video games, but also develops uh, military-grade weapons. And this is controlling him and feeding back to Max what is being seen. So Lorenz Tate, you know, was very popular uh, actor in the 90s. He was in Dead Presidents. Uh... He was in uh, the postman. He was in the postman. The postman. <laughs> Ford Lincoln. Ford Lincoln Mercury. <laughs> and uh, most recently in House of Lies. So he has. He was also in Ray. Was he? I didn't. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I never saw Ray. So that's. Yeah, he was Quincy Jones, and then I think he was also in the Vin Diesel movie. Um, a man apart. A man, man apart. apart. Yeah, I remember <laughs> apart, that. That yeah. was that was pretty good. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, also another big character, another big, uh, character actor. Uh, the last one I would have to say was Kincaid, which was played by Lyndon Ashby. And I think most notably is Johnny Cage from the original Mortal Kombat movie. Oh yeah. So, uh, if you have, you know, want to see that, I think, uh, and re- recently he's, he's been on the Teen Wolf TV show. 
Uh, I don't watch that, so I wouldn't have known. But uh, I would say those are your three big actors there. And I think I thought the best performance came from Lyndon Ashby, personally. I agree. Yeah, he had his moments where it was a little, I think, over the top or like very uh, cheesy, like a cheesy, angry uh, right. CEO in a way. But uh, but yeah, he was definitely the, the better of them all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So then, I, this from this point on, I would say there's probably going to be a lot of spoilers. If anybody wants to go watch this movie or uh, doesn't and doesn't want to be spoiled on what we have to say, what I think most of the time watching this movie, we came up with it, it was a lot similar to Gamer, which yes. was uh, a Gerard Butler movie about four years ago, five years ago, six years ago. How long ago? That's like. Seven years ago, I think. Do you remember when Gamer came out, Richard? Um, uh, 2009? 2009, so yeah, seven <laughs> years ago. Uh, did you get that same feeling? Uh, as Gamer, no. You, you didn't get no. the same feeling, like as in the... No. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> and that's probably because I actually really liked Gamer. Oh, um, <laughs> I really liked Gamer too, but I mean, you can't you can't deny that the concepts are pretty similar. Well, I mean, okay. So the thing is, is for me, like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the concept is. I mean, the concept of controlling people via games is mildly similar. But then you could also make the same argument that the surrogates is similar, right? I mean, to me, the, the the yes, they have that same element, but the feeling and the vibe of the movie is completely different to me. And, you know, when I watch Gamer, I at least feel like there's someone that had some experience with gaming or, or had some, you know, connection to it. And with with Beta Test or Beta Tester, yeah, Beta Test, that's what it is. Um, it really just felt like it was someone writing a movie that didn't, know anything about video games and it it, you know and really most of the acting comes across that way too is that they just have really no concept of of you know what gaming is and 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 what it means to people and things like that and you know it kind of highlights really the stereotypical uh you know oh i've got my pizza going you know like it's like okay, yes, they're they're yes, everyone loves pizza, not just gamers. So you know, to kind of showcase that, I thought was a little weird. And then like not only that, like you know, the the Max uh, guy, Max Troy or whatever his character's name was, like he's wearing Under Armour the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why wouldn't they have had him in you know, I don't know, Razor clothing or Logitech clothing? or Jinx apparel, or Filthy Casual. I mean, there are a million different, uh, you know, gaming-related apparel companies and things like that. And so it was just very strange to me to, like, not see any of those in there, but then you have athletic apparel involved. So, I I don't know, it was just really strange to me from that standpoint. Was it, like, a branding issue of, like, how they can't... They can't show like uh, brands um, in the movie since they're so uh, kind of low key. It definitely could have been. I mean, 
they probably the, I think what Richard's trying to get at is that they went they probably went out to uh, the, these companies where they went out to a company they went out to Armor Under Armor and didn't even think about going to the gaming clothing apparel oh, okay. people yeah. without actually trying <laughs> to get into the community that that this guy should be representing. I didn't know that was a brand. Oh yeah, Under yeah. Armor, yeah. yeah, yeah. Under <laughs> Armour like, is a brand. I was like, okay, Under Armour. It's usually worn by athletes. Uh, okay. Uh, and and I think that's what they were trying to go with in this idea is that this guy is an athlete, but what, or at least because he used to compete, he used to compete in gaming competitively, uh, but they just totally overshot the fact that they have their own brand of clothing instead of just going straight to the Under Armour. Um, you're right. It's funny that you, you bring because Nicholas Gainey, Gainey is the writer director of this. Uh, it, it shows. I just assumed it was Genie. Is that a G Y E N E Y? That's what I took it as because especially when the movie starts, it says something about Genie Productions. So I was like, oh, that wouldn't make sense because that would probably be his production company. But I don't. I could be wrong. No, that. you're probably right. That that could definitely be it. But uh, I mean, it, it shows that. Under his IMDb um, listing, uh, looks like a lot of his movies are his own writing and directing. He uh, has done other things that I haven't heard of, but The Unknown Son, Matt's Chance, The Penitent Man, and The Falling. And any of these strike any chords with any of you? The Penitent Man kneels. Yeah, right. <laughs> As we know from uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The penitent man always kneels. That's right. Or else you get your head chopped off. <laughs> um, but in, in any case, I this this was a, something that came up while we were watching it. Uh, I said either this person has an affili- affiliation with gaming or has absolutely none. And it, things got changed while making the movie because it was such a low-budget movie. That they couldn't keep other aspects of the script, or they had absolutely no idea what they were doing. They were just given a, a topic to write about. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know for sure. Uh, my best guess would be that it, you know, and I could be totally wrong, but to me, it just comes across as someone that really doesn't know, um, or that really, and I mean, like, I don't know. I, I just think about it, you know, from my standpoint. I'm not trying to bash him as a filmmaker or anything like that. He's out there getting movies made, and and that's hard. And you know, I I have respect from that element of it, but to me, you know, like. I am a huge gamer and I'm an advocate for gaming and, and, you know, the positive benefits of it and all that sort of stuff. And so when you sit down to watch a movie about it, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're taking your knowledge of, of that into it, especially, you know, your knowledge of the the community, the culture, you know, the, the things like that that are involved with it. And all of those things are really lacking. And that's why it just, to me, makes it feel like he just doesn't really understand the community and the culture other than what's so stereotypically over the top. You know, like, I'm honestly surprised there wasn't a big thing of, like, Mountain Dew and Cheeto or Doritos in, in there with the pizza. You know what I mean? Because, like, that's the very stereotypical thing is, you know, like, oh, gamer fuel, let's bust out some Mountain Dew and, you know, have some Doritos and play Call of Duty and... Like, all of those elements are just very uh, weirdly there. And then the, even the story elements, uh, you know, with him being like, oh, well, we're going to create a elite group of super soldiers being controlled by, you know, 
video gamers and it's like well no because anybody that plays gaming knows how bad connection you know connectivity issues are <laughs> and you know all these other things that come into play and not only that i mean like you're playing on you know like a playstation controller which there's no way for you to have as much central you know central uh, sensory information that a real soldier would have you know you you might have faster hand-eye coordination reflexes if you play certain games than some soldiers, maybe. But everything else, they're going to outdo you every time because they go through rigorous training for that. Like, you're, you're never going to be able to play a video game and then just walk out into real-life combat and be able to out all these people that spend all of their days training for those situations. It's just not the same. And so, like, saying that it is, like, and not really thinking about it from a gaming standpoint and being like, okay, well, you know, this controller would never be able to control a full range of, of you know, human movements. And, I mean, like, you look at arguably probably one of the most complex military simulation games on the market right now, and it's Arma 3, there is no way you can play that game with a controller. Like, you have to have a keyboard, and even then you're still like, man, there could be more controls. And so, you know, so that was one element that, and I'm probably being super hypercritical of this just because of, of the gaming background that I have. Um, no, I but, think, you know, Oh, I just want to, I just want to say, I mean, we, we all kind of came to the same uh, conclusion while we were watching it. Uh, we even to the point where it said, you know, using a controller for this type of game wouldn't make any sense. You would, they, they could have easily have done some kind of, gloves and feet kind of suit things so that the gamer would be able to control things and do more complex moves like driving the car or uh you know just moving around and making decisions it, it all it the i think chris even said it was the 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 suspension of disbelief was just too great for this movie yep yeah, and I mean, especially if you are somebody that, you, and it seems to me like their target demographic for this would probably be gamers, you know, because that's what a bulk majority of the story is about. So it seems like that's who you would go after, but then it seems like you don't do anything to really relate to that, that your audience with that. And like, when I first started watching it, I, my immediate thought was, well, when did they film this? Like, why isn't there any use of like the Oculus Rift or... Uh, the HTC Vive or any of the new VR things, you know what I mean? VR has been in talks for several years now. You know what I mean? Like the Rift, I think got announced like four years ago. So, you know, it's just kind of like, well, why wouldn't you just use those? Like that would make it a lot, you know, a lot more believable. And it would make a lot more sense that you could actually control a person through VR. And that's where I think gamer actually did kind of, you know, do it a little bit better is because with gamer, when they were controlling humans, they were absolutely controlling them through these virtual rooms. Like they weren't just using a controller for these complex combat, you know, combatants. I think they might've had a controller when they were controlling the, you know, the, the, the Sims type people in, in gamer, right. but not in the combat elements, the combat elements, they were in these rooms that had, you know, huge 360 degree displays and things like that. Because, you know, the reality is, is that even if you have faster hand eye coordination than another person, you're not going to really keep that when you start bringing in internet connectivity and, you know, controller lag and, you know, dead zones on, you know, analog sticks and things like that. Like, a lot of that advantage goes out the window. So, I mean, you know, you're right. Like the, you know, being able to buy into that logic for the story becomes a lot more difficult to people who are gamers. 
which I would assume is your core audience of who you're targeting. So I don't know. It's a little weird to me from that standpoint. And even Gamer uh, takes it apart upon themselves in the story to, to, to talk about the fact that there would be a, a delay from when the person playing the game makes a movement to when the person that's being controlled in the game makes the movement. Yeah, there's a part where Gerard Butler's like, hey, kid, if you want to win this, let me free, you know, set me free. Let's, you know, like, let's do this. And it's like, yes, exactly. Like, you know, there there's always going to be problems with that, you know? One of the biggest problems that I had with it right off the bat was this Max guy. He's like this badass beta tester for this company. He's their go-to guy for any of their beta tests and they just want him to play this game just straight (laughs) no fucking if he's this badass beta tester he's gonna be looking how he can break this game just break it into pieces because that's what fucking beta tests are for you want to find the points where your game breaks and so that you can fix them that is, I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, when you use a word like beta tester, that's, uh, and especially for people who play video games or, or in that community, you're using a certain word that means something, and they've obviously bypassed that for whatever use they want to use it for. Right. And, like, the way that they were doing it is more like how beta test has kind of come to be now. Like, when they do these open beta tests, like, most of the time, they're not really looking for anybody to give them any feedback on it. It's more free advertising. Yeah, it's free advertising. It's more, like, so that they can see for, like, server stress tests type things. They're not really looking for anybody to give them input on, like, hey, when I went over here, this shit happened and it probably shouldn't. They should have. They've already taken care of that by the point right. that it goes to the open beta test. Well, and I think one of the things that you kind of touched on a little bit earlier with stuff being removed from the script, I think that's kind of also where that comes into play because at the end, they're doing the interview with with Max, you know, and they're talking about how he's taken over Sentinel, and th- there's a line in there where the guy's like, "Yeah, it almost seems like you planned this yourself," and it's like we're kind of led to believe in that instance that he has set this whole thing up to take over Sentinel. And it's like, I feel like that's where they wanted to go with the story. But, you know, maybe some stuff got taken out in the edit um, that would have kind of, you know, alluded to that a little bit heavier. Because that's kind of the other problem that we have with it is, you know, we can kind of understand why uh, Creed is involved in this. Because he was directly kind of opposing uh, Kincaid's, you know, thought process and and where he wanted to take the company. So we can kind of buy into like the fact that, okay, Kincaid's going to set Creed up and, you know, make him a martyr so that he can get what he wants from the government, all this stuff. But with Max, we're kind of very much just in this weird space where we're like, well, you know, if he's their secret weapon and he's their amazing game beta tester that creates these mods that break games and make them better and all this stuff, why would they be willing to involve him in this? And then also, you know, by proxy maybe get him arrested and thrown in jail too so there's never really any setup or background other than the fact that he's modded games to make them better to to really illustrate why Kincaid would be going after him 
So I think there was definitely probably some more story elements that were there originally that were, you know, kind of eluding us even more and giving us a little bit more backstory as to why that would be the case and why he would want to take the company over. And so I felt like that was kind of another thing that was thematically kind of an issue with the film. Yeah, that um I it almost seems like the script like the script that the guy wrote was his first draft and he didn't check for any like inconsistencies with his story and maybe he didn't even show it to anybody else. You know, if it, it I could be wrong, but it it just seemed like there were so many plot points that either didn't get addressed enough or um they they totally switched out on us and like totally changed the way that they originally um planned out those those plot points like they just changed the, the rules throughout the movie and so you know like from a film like a just a film standpoint even if you didn't know much about games i think you would be confused at, at the movie just from that um yeah, no, I, I I agree. I mean, that's that's the difficulty with with storytelling in general is you know that especially film you, when you've kind of established that these are the rules of your world and and this is what we're going to be expected to follow, you, you kind of have to stay true to those rules consistently throughout your film. You can't really decide midway that you want to change it. And the interesting thing behind that also is you know they still had time to add stuff to this film. I mean, the, the runtime of the movie is 88 minutes with credits. So, you know, there was, there was still time that they could have added those elements in there and made it a little bit longer to make the story a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more streamlined for what they were actually going for and not, you know, kind of fragments of each little thing like, oh, well, we'll hit on this topic and we'll hit on this. And then, you know, maybe if we do this, we'll get a little bit out of that. And it's like, okay, th those are all decent enough ideas. You know, of course, gun control is a major issue in our country right now. So, you know, having a social commentary and, and using this as an outlet to get your voice out there, it makes sense. But, you know, if that's your only approach, then, okay, be a little bit more on on approach for that but don't just be like okay well we're gonna touch briefly on this for a second then we're gonna go over here and do this and then you kind of lose the ability to tie everything into a cohesive story that makes sense once everyone gets to the end you know yeah they they totally went went outside of that like because they first um had that um that kind of like cnn kind of kind of interview with um with the um with the Sentinel guy and saying that that you know you're you're for guns and so you want to have keep our guns in in um, video games, and like not until like the end where they kind of tied in the bow and like you know show the same interview again but with with Max and him kind of um, starting to kind of have that kind of business um, mind kind of um, flowing in him as well that we come back. Oh yeah. It, this is all about like keeping guns and like how guns are, are, are not bad and, or, you know, and, uh, and it's, um, just lost in the middle of the whole story. And I think that, you know, it, you know, they could have gone back to, um, you know, maybe something outside of M Max's story and going more into how, um, how Creed is so criminalized now and how, um, cause that's, you know, that was kind of the point to show like, you know, the peace, you know, the peace loving guy, like him being destructive or being part of this sort of, uh, um, all of these terrible things. And so it's, 
um, it, it just got lost with, you know, just trying to get a gamer feel to it, but I think, you know, it could have been more impactful if it, they explained um, or showed more um, about how their stance on violence or their stance about the, or that character's stance on violence in guns. Yeah, I was thinking the like it. I don't know where the writer director was was trying to go uh, with his anti gun campaign or theme in the movie, but obviously the first mission that he has Max take Creed on is a uh, a foil or a, a bank robbery or you know do something with a bank robbery bank robbery and uh he, he obviously the guns are involved there second mission is to go to a school that's being shot up by a kid with a gun which you know obviously brings up certain imagery and especially in this country and then the third is to kill the guy that i think is the other owner of uh, sentinel or i didn't quite understand what he what no, uh, that he owned like a bunch of server farms oh okay so if that guy was taken out, then Kincaid would be able to like buy his shares of those server farms or something. It was very convoluted. But I mean, obviously, it would be it was a shootout on the, on the highway, and yeah. and that guy gets gets killed. So I mean, this would this all goes back to uh, the interview that Angela was talking about at the beginning of the movie, where uh, you know he's talking about you know people would get be able to use their guns in our video games. They won't want to use them in real life. Kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. it, it, I, yeah, I think the, the the themes of this movie were all over the place, yeah. and back and forth, and in and out. So, it was it, it was interesting. Also, and Angela pointed it out while we were watching the movie that the the main character of Menu Bidet kind of looks like <laughs> Gordon Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until towards the end, like before the big old fight scene in in Sentinel, but like that's what. Like when he came out, and then I just saw that that goatee and the glasses, glasses <laughs> and the glasses don't even fit him. <laughs> like they really wanted him to look like Gordon Freeman. <laughs> Did you get that same uh, imagery there, Richard? Uh, no, I don't think that was. <laughs> I don't think that really jumped out at me as much. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, again, like I, I just I kind of I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of stuff that, you know, is redeeming to this. And it's, you know, because I don't want to just, like, bash the movie. And I'm not, not I'm not trying to do that. But I just, yeah, I'm just in the same boat as everyone else here. Like, I just don't really understand how they didn't really kind of sit down and look at this and think, well, wait a second. Like, we're kind of all over the place and we're not really heading in a, in a direction. Because there's so many just different things that, that seemingly come back to just not pay off fully for the story or that kind of inadvertently lead nowhere and and you know not for the sake of throwing the audience off i mean that's something that i think you know hitchcock called the MacGuffin or whatever where it was something just to throw the audience off for the purpose of throwing them off but with this it really does seem like he had a message that he was trying to get out there and he was trying to tell and i think maybe he had so many messages that he kind of lost sight of it but uh yeah i, I don't know it's it's and I don't know, maybe I was so distracted by that that I missed that because I think that actually might have been, uh, you know, helpful to see that and be like, okay, well, maybe this guy did at least play Half-Life, you know, <laughs> or, or maybe that just means that Half-Life 3 is confirmed. There you know. go. That's, yeah. that's what I said. <laughs> uh, okay, well, if, 
to to bring up something that I think that was actually a plus in this movie was the the I don't know how long that scene was or it was supposed to be, but the the big fight scene in downtown Seattle City Hall is where he fights to, the sixteen guys. Yeah, and it's supposed to look like a uh, a one take long continuous shot. Supposedly, it is a one take. I don't know if it is. I don't I, believe that. I saw that in the trivia from the movie too, and I don't think it is. I'm almost positive that there's cuts in there. They're really well done, but I'm they're well pretty hidden. sure. Yeah, I, I was just telling uh, uh, Mitch and Chris that that um, it there there's a new feature on um, the new Adobe Premiere where you can like um, if you have uh, the same clip but you cut it to like. Um, take out like a mistake that the actor did you can um you can use this tool in in premiere to kind of smooth out and and like uh, smooth out the action and then like the the computer uh, i mean like premiere can kind of predict uh you know the frames that are used in that uh that were lost in that uh in that cut and like kind of smooth out the um the movement that, that the actor has Wow, that's actually pretty incredible. Yeah, it's it's. I I was amazed. I was like, there's 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 no need to, there's no need to um, uh, worry about mistakes anymore now. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty remarkable, actually. So, what did you think of the the, the scene in general? Then, I mean, I, how did you feel about the the continuous shot look, Richard? Well, I think it's it's cool, and I mean the action that there again. I mean, there's there's so many different things that you can overanalyze with it, um, but it it feels really out of place for the entirety of the rest of the film. Uh, you know, it, it it to me when I got to that point, it just came across as, hey, this is where we're putting all of our budget, so you know, let's not really kind of worry about maybe the rest of the movie but it felt really 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 out of place because you know we don't really have a lot of contextual information about his character in terms of why he would be this you know awesome person other than he did two tours in the military which okay sure yes that's going to give you some combat skills but you know you are also assuming that these 16 other guys that he's fighting and the main security chief guy zane uh, are obviously have some training as well. And so that whole sequence is just very weird. And then, you know, it leads from that into them fighting on a rooftop with, you know, katanas. And you're just kind of like, well, wait a minute. What? Like, why, why do they both know how to fight with katanas? They're game developers. Like, <laughs> what, what, mm-hmm. what game developers has this guy been around that are highly trained combatants? Like, that just... It's one of those things that, again, makes it very hard to buy into the story that they're trying to tell you. And and even that sequence, there's so many things where, you know, they're like, oh, well, don't shoot him because he wants him alive. Well, no, he doesn't. He's setting him up to be shot and killed by the cops through all these other things. Why would he care if he's alive? He, do, he wouldn't care at all. Just shoot him and be like, yeah, he showed up here. He's deranged. He's trying to kill people. <laughs> he got 16 people that would just shoot him. Who cares? And then the one guy is like, you know, I was told not to shoot you, but now I'm going to shoot you. And you walk two feet away from his face to shoot him? No, <laughs> shoot him from a distance. Like, I it think, just it doesn't make sense. I think that, uh, you know, you kind of – you have – 
Menu Bennett on the film, you use him for this particular kind of scene. Uh, so it's almost like they wrote it around him uh, just because he has that particular skill of, of fight choreography. Well, but sure. But even then, again, like, why wouldn't you utilize it more? You had multiple <clears throat> opportunities and you, you focused it more on having it rendered in computer graphics, which probably had to have cost more to do than if you would have actually just filmed it. So, I mean, like, why wouldn't you do that more? Like, it just... And then and then in the last fight sequence, too, it's really weird because he walks up that first set of stairs and he's about to fight these, like, eight guys in a circle. And then this one guy comes walking down the stairs and, like, just starts taking his shirt and stuff off. And it's obviously this really high-trained martial artist because right. he starts going into all of them. <laughs> I'm like, well, why wasn't that guy down there to start with? And why aren't all of you just beating him up? There's eight of you. Why? And then they knock him down, and he's laying on the ground, and they, they all just still stand there. And I'm like, why wouldn't y'all start kicking him or, or beating you. him or something? Uh, well, I don't know if the two of you have ever played any video games before, but you have to have the, the mini guys and then the mini boss and then the boss fight. That's the way video games are. Wait. That's what video games are? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, I've, I've never even, actually experienced any of these video I, games. I, I assume you had not. <laughs> even if you want to take that route, though, then Zane should have been the mini boss, and he was there at the initial charge. Like, it still doesn't make sense that this guy we've not heard anything of in the entire movie suddenly shows up and is like, ha-ha, guys, I'm the one guy that's past security guard training and i'm gonna beat this guy up and then he gets him in an arm bar and nobody goes to help him nobody, like, I like if somebody gets you guys in an arm bar and i'm standing there i'm kicking him in the head i'm not standing there waiting for him to take your gun and shoot me too it's just crazy well you big you bring up some good points richard uh yeah that scene was not choreographed well at all no it could i think i think more than anything the the problem with that is that the camera or the fighters were in the wrong place. Like, you know how you got the film right. uh, stage combat in certain ways yeah. so it looks real. And I, I don't think they, they got those the, the staging right. No, that was definitely a big part of it. But, like, still just the things that they did didn't really make sense. Fair enough. No, I mean, I, like, I don't know, and, and this might not be a fair comparison or anything like that, but, I mean, you look at some of the stuff that, like, they do, and I, okay, let me just reiterate this. Let me backtrack. This isn't a fair comparison. I will just <laughs> leave with that. But for the sake of cinema, okay, when you look at something like what they're trying to replicate, which would be, what is it? The, the protector. The, the protector, right, oh. where they have the one-shot continuous thing, okay? Going upstairs. That's not only choreographed ass. well, it's it's the cinematography and it's really well done, but they've also spaced it out in a way that makes sense, you know, to where it's not like there's just eight guys standing around for no reason. Like, they're coming down the stairs or, you know, they're trying to get out of a room that he's locked the door on or, you know what I mean? Like, they do something to, to kind of logistically tell the story as to why these eight guys wouldn't just start beating you up because that's what would happen. Nobody's going to just stand there and watch somebody that they know get their arm broken when they're trying to subdue this guy that's just beat the piss out of seven other people. It's just not going to happen, and it makes it very difficult to buy into the story. And, you know, it, 
even the uh, I'm trying to think, maybe it's the protector as well. But the end where they, like he fights like the eighty-eight dudes and he's just breaking all their bones. Yeah, that's the protector uh, as well. Yeah, that's the protector. That makes sense because they're all attacking him and he's using them as you know spacers and stuff like that to keep the distance. And I mean, he's breaking bones to stop them from coming after him. And God, I just want to watch the protector now. <laughs> <laughs> Love that movie. No, it's a great movie. And again, I understand it's a completely different scenario because, you know, Tony Jaw obviously has extensive, 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 uh, you know, martial arts training, and as does all the, the stunt people that they use and things like that. But I mean, you know, I just don't understand, like, why you wouldn't kind of think about these things and logistically be like, yeah, this really doesn't help tell our story if anything it's taking people out of our story you know and and i i just don't i don't know what happened there i and, and you know i maybe it's just uh, because he's you know a new film director you know or or whatever i don't know i mean i'm sure that i'm gonna i well i'm not sure i have made mistakes in, in the films that i've made and i'm sure i'll continue to make films but or mistakes in the films that i make but these are really obvious mistakes you know these aren't little mistakes that people had to watch the movie 10 times to to scrutinize it and realize it it's it's stuff that's just very apparent from the beginning and and you know i think that's really unfortunate because i do think he had an interesting concept and it definitely sounds like he had a social commentary that he wanted to make a statement on and and hopefully use this film to not only entertain people but to get his message out there and to help make the world a better place because i think that's genuinely what most all of us as filmmakers get into it to do and I just think it's really unfortunate that, you know, these oversights are, are kind of, you know, muddying up the water of his message, so to speak, you know? So then what would be, would you have one uh, good thing that you'd like to say about the movie? Since you, I mean, you were trying to, you, you kept saying that you, you don't want to keep bashing it. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to. I, I mean, know you're I'm, not. I'm not, I'm not, like I'm not accusing you of. No, 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 I know you're not. I know you're not. I, I'm not saying that you're saying that either. I'm just saying, like, I'm not trying to bash it. I'm just speaking very honestly about it. And, you know, I think that as a, you know, I don't know, as a filmmaker, it's maybe hard to hear those things. But I think there are things that we do need to hear, you know. I mean, I, I know that certainly if I put a movie out and somebody was like, hey, like, why didn't you do X, Y, Z, you know, I could be like, okay, well, yeah, I, I didn't think about those things. Or it's a situation of, hey, you know, that wasn't my call. That was a producer's call or that was, you know, I mean, because that, that happens too. You know, we, we, we always want to assume that, hey, the director is the, the front man of the band and he's solely responsible for all the problems. And that's not always true, you know, and I don't know because I wasn't there, I wasn't a part of this film. But, you know, there are obviously very big you know, because we're all agreeing. We're all saying the same things. It's not like even one of us here is like, oh, well, I don't know about that because of X, Y, Z. Like, no, no, no. We literally all experience the same problems from the movie. And so that means that, you know, there definitely is something off with it, you know? So I don't want to just say that it's, you know, him that's a problem. I don't know. Well, I think one thing that you have to point out is that not only is he the writer and director, but he is also the producer of the movie. So there's <laughs> there's no blame that gets to go anywhere else other than him. Yeah, there's no other kind um, well, of extra. I think he's one of the producers. It, well, the I movie ends with it saying produced and directed by Nicholas Genie. Right, 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 right. I mean, I get that, but even then, you know, that's 
you're still taking investors money and they still have voices and things like that like it's never black and white you know what i mean no matter what the credits say it's it at the end of the day it never is 100 identifiable as to who is responsible i would say yes it looks more clearly like it is him and i'm not saying that it isn't i'm just saying that you know for the sake of of uh, you know being open-minded and giving him the benefit of the doubt you know i don't know what happened i wasn't there i mean overall though you know i i don't think the i don't think the performances are awful you know i i definitely don't think that i oh, do no, think lorenz tate's that... performance is awful in this movie <laughs> <laughs> which one was he was he max max max's yeah. performance is awful in this movie okay well i'm i'm saying that like i don't i don't think it's the worst part of the movie i i think they could have all done better but again where does that blame come from? Was it the director? Was it the actors? I don't know. Um, you know, I thought they did an okay job of, of acting like he was being controlled by a controller or another person at times and things like that. Uh, you know, uh, visually, it's... I, I don't know. I mean, it's not terrible. I mean, you know, the cinematography is not awful. I, I think there was some issues with how to choreograph that fight sequence but again that comes into play whenever you're trying to do a continuous one shot like that's very difficult and very challenging to do so I mean I at least give him credit for trying to do that as it was something that was you know very very difficult I do think that they maybe should have like you guys said maybe focused a little bit heavier on how to really choreograph that and make sense um yeah, I don't know. I, I'm really trying hard because I, I really do want to find something that like stands out <laughs> to me and just phenomenal with it, you know. Because that's one of the things I always try to say is that there's always a silver lining to the to the cloud. And and it, you're right, it is very difficult to find with this movie. I'm sure if I saw it again, I might be able to find it, but I, I'm struggling to find it right now. And I feel bad for that. I really do. I I, I hate doing that, but I also don't want to. I also don't want to sit here and say it's great and it's wonderful and all that stuff, and then people watch it and are like, "What are they talking about? What are you talking about?" Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, Angela, was there any silver lining for you in, in watching this movie? Um, basically, like I guess stuff that Rachel said, like the cinematography, like you know, the lighting was 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 pretty good. Um, all the way to the lighting. That's how far we had to dig. Right. <laughs> but, right. but, you know, like, to Pat track again, like, this guy, like, did a lot of crap. Like, <laughs> he wrote the movie, which is very hard to do. I can hardly get out a 60-pager, <laughs> which is not even a feature length. And um, and so it... it it's been a lot, a lot of hard work, work for him. So I'm, you know, I'd like to hope that you know this movie was very dear to him. Like he wanted, like he really wanted to make a movie like this. So this was a chance, and he was able to. Um, I, I think it, you know, it, it, judging you know how I guess there was other movies before that that he worked on. You know, I think maybe just, you know, he just needs to keep at it. He. Uh, I'm I'm really having a hard time, and I'm yeah. <laughs> That's okay, Chris. Is there a silver lining at all this dark cloud for you? Oh my god, um, you know I kind of enjoyed how they made what Manu Bennett was looking at 
like into a video game. Like they did a pretty good job with that. I was kind of impressed. But then there were also problems with that, like when he was turning and he perfectly like changed into every lane. I was like, this is obviously just animated. Like there was no drift at all. You could have like actually made a video game and just recorded somebody actually controlling it and it would have looked a thousand times better. <laughs> yeah, but that's actually a big a big feat too, you know, having like the the um um kind of, well they're like the animated versions and the real world versions. So that that was really a lot of coordination on their part on what yeah. on what they um uh what they wanted to shoot, you know, when when to cut cuz you know they're not going to um animate all like every single thing like every single scene and just just cut you know you know let's put in the real world version now let's put that the video game version this was like you know we're gonna cut to this one and we're gonna just have this little like one or two sequence where he's looking the other way or like looking left and right or driving a little bit so you know because it's it's gonna be a a long hard work to to animate all that Mm -hmm. you know in and you know, on top, and that on top of you know directing and everything, it's you know that's that was a lot of work for for the crew and and that guy, the director. So so we can at least appreciate that part of yes. of the movie. I was yeah. the amount of work that. that he put in. Yes. Uh, I, I I did like the fact that they repurposed a GameCube to right. <laughs> awesome. to be a Sentinel video game player. <laughs> And you saw he was paying homage to the yeah only to the NES and the S the, or not the SNES it was the NES and the N sixty four there was a, an SNES right there next to them and then an Xbox three sixty next to to that. those other ones and he just completely ignored the SNES <laughs> and the three sixty we didn't need to get too crazy right there okay he already prayed to the to the gaming gods the console gods. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, no, I, I would I would have to say the same. It's it's interesting. I, see, in, also he wore driving gloves. He did wear driving gloves, games. and he had his own personal. Oh, those those gaming weren't seat. driving gloves. No, those were true. weightlifting they were, gloves. They were fingerless gloves. They were weightlifting yeah. gloves. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which goes more back into the the whole Under Armour. I, I just I'm like, oh, why didn't you just make a movie where he was a bodybuilder and like controlling other bodybuilders or something? Like, you know, you must protect this house, not you know. <laughs> that was a good Ray Lewis impression there you had. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, but I I, I was going to say, uh, actually, I don't know what I was going to say now. Um, I'm sorry, I just broke Mitch. You, yeah, yeah, that that happens every once in a while. Oh no, Richard, the the the, the what you said with the whole uh, the costs for making the anime the scenes animated as opposed to just filming the this, like in particular the the last uh, test or the last uh, objective that he had to do where he had to chase down the dude in the the limo and then and then oh kill him like th- that's almost entirely animated as opposed <laughs> to filmed and i i thought right. i thought it was for the stunts that happened in that that particular scene it was going to co- it would cost less to animate it than to actually film that but you're saying the other way around no 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 not in that scene and that scene it makes sense <laughs> oh, okay. in that scene it does make sense but like when he's in the bank 
you know, you, you there wasn't a big reason to have the bulk majority of that be animated. You mm. know what I mean? Like, it, it, same thing with the school. Like, that sequence is it's very hit or miss like that's the the difficult thing is like i get that sequence because yeah you're gonna have all the vehicle stunts you're gonna have to close down the road you're gonna have to pay for like officers to block the highway off and all that stuff no no that one totally makes sense and i get that but i'm just saying in a lot of the other ones they seem to have it mostly be that way and then it just feels really weird when that last fight sequence isn't that way but i mean i get why it isn't because they've obviously removed the thing from him and we're now seeing you know the perspective from the the lackey guy that has the control x on him right but i'm just saying like it just seems like they could have done a much better job of kind of balancing those out to you know be a little bit where it made a little bit more sense i guess um, cause I don't think it would be as bad to Corey or to pay to do that whole bank sequence. They obviously already paid for the location. They were already in there. They did the quick shots of like him stabbing it, but I'm just saying, I think you could have done a little bit more visual action there than relying solely on the animation. Cause then it would have made sense. Cause you could have put a little bit more into the money of having the scenes that are animated be better quality and to have it look more like, a game and less like a computer simulation that was an exact replica of what you needed to happen. You know, you could have made it a little bit more believable for the kind of illusion of the first time, if you will, versus just this car magically goes where it's supposed to. And it magically <laughs> just pulls over and parks here. It's and... almost as if the city actually rotates around the car. <laughs> right. right. Or, or the fact that it's Seattle and there's absolutely nobody on the road. Oh, no, Seattle is, like, really sparsely populated. Yeah. There's only, like, a couple hundred people in all At of most. Seattle. <laughs> At least one Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, any last thoughts from anybody that would like to say anything about this movie? I, you know, I'm going to kind of echo, I guess, what Angela said about the director. You know, I, I hope that he, you know looks at this movie and no matter what he not that he ever is going to listen to this but if he ever does that he takes it as constructive criticism or constructive feedback and i you know i hope that he learns from this and continues to to go forward and master the craft and really work on it and and i hope he does continue to go forward i don't think that you know he needs to stop or anything like that but i just you know i i hope that if he did read anything that people were saying about it that he would take it constructively and realize that you know, he can be a better storyteller and he can learn and go forward and that he masters the craft and, and you know, goes out and continues to do what he's doing. Anybody else? Okay, I think Richard put it best then. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we all we all feel the same way. This is yeah. this was a beta test, uh, if anybody else had not uh, heard us say it in the, the few times that we have. Uh, Richard, where can people find you? Um, I am on uh, Facebook and Twitter at R-I-C-O-W-N, at Ray Cohen. Oh, and on the YouTubes, although I need to do more with it. And then you can also find me on the other podcast I do called We Are Entertained. So that's on Twitter at EntertainCast and on Facebook at We Are Entertained. And you can even go to WeAreEntertained.com and find all of our social media stuff there, too. Angela? Um, I tweet sometimes at Flower with Tales, Flower with No Vowels. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not the whole thing it's like flowery tales 
then add in information saying that all the the flowers no vowels. <laughs> no it's also my 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 thing to really be awkward on my my sign offs. <laughs> uh, GT Wizard www Okay, and almost everywhere. <laughs> Just Google it; you'll find him. It's true. <laughs> Unless it comes up on Xbox, then that's not me. Really? Yeah, but I was looking through his games, and I swear, <laughs> I was like, this motherfucker is me. Like, <laughs> most of these games I've actually played, and then I got to, like, GTA, and I was like, oh, nope, it's somebody different. <laughs> you might have played GTA, like... <laughs> Just not knowing it or... Right. That would actually be kind of funny if I did have that account, but I just forgot about it. I'm, I'm going to say it is. Uh, <laughs> and I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat on Twitter. <laughs> you can uh, find me... It's the second underscore that makes it good. <laughs> it's where you can find me. I do most of my talking there. Uh, but we are at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. Geek Elite Radio on Facebook and geekeliteradio.com is where is our website where you can get older episodes of this uh, particular podcast and archived episodes of our other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio network. So, oh, and and oh. and you there there was a milestone that was hit today on the Geek Elite Radio Twitter. Uh, we hit 700 followers, so thanks everyone for following on there. Thank you very much. That's amazing. It's yeah, true. We we hit 700 followers. That's right, on our way to 1K. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Chris doesn't even follow our Twitter, so this is pretty <laughs> impressive. Uh, well, there you go. This has been Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, until next time, always remember to geek yeah. out. I jumped the gun. <laughs> we now return you to your regularly scheduled programs.